I tried reading Dune, like the the book, when I was in high no, school. No. Because I was like, I well, obviously I love Star Wars. And so I was like, I'm yeah. going to dive even deeper into like all of the different... Because like at that time, I was reading Star Wars Expanded Universe, which people should absolutely read Tales from Jabba's Palace. It's a compilation, an anthology series of like Empire Strikes Back from the perspective of... Or not Empire, Return of the Jedi from the perspective of, like, all of these side characters in Jabba's palace. Anyways, it's lovely. But I was like, it's so fucking funny. It's great. Um, But I was also reading, like, these fantasy books, and I was like, okay, like, I need more sci-fi in my life. I'm going to try Dune because everybody says it's good. I think I read, like, one... I read one page, and I was like, my brain can't handle this. Like, I tried so hard. Kind of like The Hobbit. Like, I just couldn't. Well, it's because it's, like, 40 pages of, like, the family tree. And also, I read it when I was, like, a child, so... I think... I I would encourage you to retry The Hobbit. Dune is dense as fuck and it's also like 600 pages like they're long reads but i will say that the rest of the dune universe gets very interesting no spoiler alerts but you have a worm god man hybrid you have incestual like you know like tiptoeing into incestual relationships i love how you're using that as like a uh, like a hug like a must read <laughs> a must read <laughs> you come c-o-m-e you come for the worm god man but you stay for the incest or like so the hinting at incest i love that this is now a podcast about sci-fi and fantasy books and what you should okay. read and what you what i haven't read yet and Absolutely. we're your hosts liz John Cousteau. Hi. Say hello. Good morning. And I'm Maya, and and we love sci-fi. We love sci-fi, but most importantly, we love being able to uh, move things on the golf course. Um, They're also called loose impediments. Welcome to the... Well, under rule 23 welcome to the loose impediments podcast um i don't want to get ahead of myself but famously i can't help myself so that's a very tight rope that i walk all the time but i think we've i think we've really struck gold here maya we're geniuses yeah i mean like i think it really comes down to the fact of recognizing that like sci-fi is really a vehicle to examine our society without That's doing true. so in a way that God, automatically repels people. Because I mean, we're seeing literal Nazis be like, I love Star Wars. And it's like, bro, this movie is literally about fighting Nazis and fascism. I think I think it is really amazing what uh what fandom personality types shine through with certain um like worlds like fantasy worlds like you have harry potter which is like maybe the most quintessential like queer story or like quintessential story for queer people like 
that fandom is so gay and famously we don't say her name on this podcast but the author of that is of that series is a turf it's like bitch what are you doing you literally wrote a story that is all about inclusion and like wizards and polyjuice you know just like it anyway transforming yourself into anything you want to be and then she'll you know be like oh i don't even want to i don't even want to utter things but Um, yeah she doesn't deserve it but But speaking of fandoms speaking of fandoms can i just read you just a little quote um from a PGA tour player from 1998. I think you you might all recognize his name. Um, But, you know, just to to bring this all back to the fandom of golf, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. we're going to go back. Um, So today we're going to be talking about disability and act. What? What's on your mind? What's on your golfing mind? (laughs) Oh, right. Sorry. Um, (laughs) No, I have a lot of thoughts today about uh, Casey Martin and the 2001 uh, Supreme Court case where Casey sued uh, the PGA Tour for uh, under the Americans with Disabilities Act um, to allow him to use a golf cart in a tournament. Um, And we're going to get into that a little bit more, but to kind of like start off. Um, in oral arguments uh, before the Supreme Court, one piece of testimony that was used was from, you know, our 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 pal, our pal Jack Nicholas. No. He's not my fucking um, pal. Fuck that guy. Who uh, talking about like allowing Casey to ride in a cart? would fundamentally alter PGA Tour tournaments. And what he said is, I think it looks terrible. And I yeah, just well, so don't do think... you. True. And I just don't think it's part of the game of golf. Oh, my God. Which is <sighs> like... so. Which is so funny because Jack Nicholas was such a presence on the senior tour the champions tour which famously you can use a cart so i don't know but if he looks, ever did it or doesn't not. look good. i don't fucking care yeah no shit neither does your fucking well actually it i don't care it does it looks perfectly fine but like you know what looks worse that fucking color yellow that you pick for your golden bear branding oh yeah that's, that's way stupid. worse yeah that's way golden, fucking that's like pee that's like golden it's shower like, gold it's like not rotted milk dude like ugh. anyway sorry but yeah so it's really interesting because uh this happened 2001 this court case happened in 2001 um obviously in order just to nerd out a little bit and be my like law student self um but how you know cases get up to the supreme court is you go through you know kind of exhaust all of your lower court options and a petitioner in this case the pga tour was like uh we don't agree with the lower court's ruling and so we want to appeal and and see if the supreme court will take this up and the reason why this was kind of a really important case is it's one of the primary um, cases that interpreted 
Title III of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And so Title III requires anyone overseeing a place of public accommodations to make reasonable modifications to their policies unless some modifications would fundamentally alter the nature of the activity. And a core part of this is that, you know, kind of the whole thing is providing, actually, let me pull up my class notes on this. Um, But non-discrimination in this case is to provide the full and equal enjoyment of the good services, privileges, advantages, and accom- or accommodations of any place of public accommodation. And so uh, that's kind of like a key aspect to all of this is full and equal enjoyment because obviously it's sports, right? Like there is like a huge part of enjoyment to playing sports and For me, like reading, I'm probably getting ahead of myself a lot here because I'm very heated about this case. Um, I mean, uh, that's fine. I sprint ahead. It's just sprinting. Um, Even though famously I started playing golf because I did not want to run. Yeah, Um, I was going to say our sprint is like 5.5 on a treadmill. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like trying to make sure we don't get the <laughs> slow play penalty. That is our yeah, 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 our yeah. sprint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> no, but like, he, it's really, really interesting because it's it's sports, right? Like, it, it kind of a huge, huge part of this court case. And when you read, like, if anybody wants to be as much of a nerd as I am, and also if our great friend Carl Charles, who will be on the the pod in a few weeks. Um, famously an attorney doing this work, uh, a lot of this work in trans inclusion and sports. Um, so I hope that he says that I reported all of this correctly. Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of the, the reasoning within the majority opinion for this case, and spoiler alert, this case came out in favor of Casey. So basically they said, yes, you know, the PGA Tour has to allow Casey Martin to use a golf cart in order to play in these tournaments. A lot of that reasoning was really based on trying to figure out what is a funda- what is the fundamental nature of golf, right? I mean, and yeah, it is. It's really, really insane because this goes back to like what we were talking about last. I think we talked about it a little bit last week with um, the way that on the LPGA tour, you have to have a staff bag. Otherwise, you're going mm-hmm. to get fined. And you get fined. Yeah. I feel like this is a really, really kind of like prime example of how much golf depends on aesthetics essentially like the image of the sport as a reason Mm -hmm. to exclude right yeah and what it's like there's a really we'll link this article in the show notes that it really looks at kind of 20 years later it was written in last year 2021 but at 2021 it's like a retrospective looking back on how this 2001 case pga tour versus martin um has kind of impacted the sport since and what is Mm -hmm. insane is that it really hasn't right like because this case was so narrowly defined it was like you have to let casey use um a golf cart right um since then nobody else has brought an ada challenge to as far as 
I can tell has brought an ADA challenge towards the PGA tour in order to use a cart. Um, and it's been kind of like a a little bit silent until what earlier this year or or last year when the USGA announced, um, the U S uh, adaptive open, which is the U S open that it provides kind of like, um, think of the Paralympics for golf, which is great and important. Incredible. Um, but it, it's kind of like there's been relative silence in between there, unless unless we're looking at um, these social media posts by these big governing bodies in golf who are trying to, like the intent is to uplift um, veterans and, and folks with disability. And, you know, a lot of veterans who kind of come Missing back limbs, with, yeah. you know, or somebody that has a, yeah. And there's a lot of commentary, a lot of visibility for the fact that, like, there, you know, you can still play golf. Um, we have a lot of, um, like, images, visibility, stories that are being told in all of these major golf outlets that talk about how, like, equitable golf is. Like, how no matter what your ability is, like, no matter what is going on like you are still able to play golf and be really great right to a certain extent to a certain extent yes right so there's still a very um harsh threshold of success and support on major tours like yeah of course when i say major tour i'm in the pga tour like, yeah, absolutely. you know, I think it's, I think I've seen that so often the same song and dance of tons of uplifting from mm-hmm. the PGA tour. It's, it's very exploitative is what I'm hinting at. You know, yeah. it's like a player that um, needs assistance from a cart um, in some way or another being on a PGA tour reel. That's amazing. But then when it comes down, when the PGA tour has an actual chance to include that person, they fought to the fucking tooth and nail to prevent that person from playing. Um, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, I would, I would love to think that it was just a product of its time. You know, the late nineties and two thousands were very, 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 um, difficult times to grow up with especially with body image um things like inclusion were never spoken about but anyway i would love to think that that would be different now but i i don't think it really would i mean the pga tour had its chance and then you fucking blew it you know so i think to an extent like yeah of course it's celebrated and diversity is celebrated in this game to a very very harsh extent yeah no and i think you're exactly right so um my partner sam uh is a really big uh, disability rights activist and one of the Mm -hmm. things that she talks about a lot is um and a lot of what the disabled community talks about is this trauma porn and i think like you can apply this idea of trauma porn to a lot of marginalized communities and i think you see it like you know during um Black History Month, Women's History Month, um, Asian American History Month, you know, like the history months 
where it's like Mm -hmm. let's tell these inspirational stories which it's like reductive and Mm -hmm. it positions like I know that happens with women like it happens a lot in golf with women right like it's like women can play golf too and it's like we just up the purse of the US we just up the purse of the US Open 10 million dollars it's like cool and it's just really reductive like it it doesn't really Mm -hmm hold space or acknowledge the fact that we are full human beings and not only that like I think what's really important when we're looking at and I think like looking at the PGA Tour and golf in general's methods of inclusion or relationship with inclusion I think is really really highlighted by the way that these tours and golf in general interact with disability and I think Also, in addition to that, right, like you cannot be intersectional. You cannot talk about diversity if you're not including disability, right? Because folks of every identity, you know, like queer folks are disabled. uh, People of color are disabled. It's not a separate Mm -hmm. entity from all of this. And when you Mm -hmm. are seeing in a Supreme Court decision, right, like not just in um, kind of like the reasoning in which the court is discussing what both uh, the PGA Tour and Martin are trying to argue, but also if you want to nerd out and look at the oral arguments, right? A lot of the arguments are rooted, like we saw with Jack Nicholas's quote, in what is this going to look like? It's really like. rooted on like the fundamental nature of golf is being considered as like the aesthetics of golf. And like yeah. when you are doing that from a base level, right? Then obviously it's going to contribute to the ways in which the the tour, the 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 golf world is thinking about you know, different marginalized communities. It's like the the white boys club. I think the article yeah. that we're going to be linking in ha- really, really talks about how it's like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's there the, are some, there are some damning quotes in that article. Like, I mean, obviously look like, I don't know if everybody knows this, but Jack Nicholas has a very uh, extensive track record on just being an ass hole. And you know what? I think, you know, a couple of things come to my mind. Um, if you need to, please, I want you to finish and then I'll um, give some context notes. But if yeah. I, I feel like I interrupted a train of thought. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's us. Um, that doesn't no, sound like I, us. So, like, there's this really great, um, this, this, uh, section of the article that we're going to be linking that is really speaking directly to um, golf being homogeneous, which is what Liz and I talk about all the time, and how it's all about um, kind of being golf courses, this is me quoting, golf courses remain populated mostly by white, able-bodied, cis-heterosexual men. And with this Martin case, that's really, really bringing to light um, uh, disability. It's making these folks think about what is the fundamental nature of golf? How would this change golf? And that's rooted, as we were talking about, in aesthetics. Um, Jack Nicholas is saying, I think we would lose the game of golf forever the way that we know it. Should a golf cart be allowed? Can you believe that? It's, it's Can you so, believe that? 
literally <laughs> insane. An idiot. You're a piece of shit. Like, okay. I just, I, I was, I, so I remember this case. I mean, so we were both born in 92, but I remember. I was actually born in 93. All right. Well, fuck you. Okay. I, you know what? Sorry. No kids allowed in this, in this podcast, Maya. Get out of here. Okay. So I was born in 1992. So I remember hearing about this. Obviously I was a child, so I, I didn't have the same, you know, I couldn't, I didn't really have feelings about this because I couldn't understand. I was fucking nine years old, but reading this now, I think it's just so astronomical. So first off, Casey Martin, for some context, fits when Maya was reading the quote from this article he fits every single one of those descriptions except being Mm able-bodied and I think it really goes without saying and also for context too uh Casey Martin was playing golf walking uh, literally until the point where his body it was so painful that he couldn't continue to do it he tried for like and just he really tried and just to, to let you know kind of about what exactly his disability is, um, mm, he has mm-hmm. a, uh, oh, hold on, give me a second. So he, since he was born, had um, Klippel Trinoine Weber syndrome. Um, and I feel like Sam can hear me mispronouncing that. But what Sam the syndrome is literally is, like this right now. Yes, um, but uh, this woman. So essentially, um, and I'm going to be quoting directly from the case right now, um, from the majority opinion. So, Casey Martin is all, an individual with a disability, as defined in the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990. Since birth, he has been afflicted with that syndrome, a degenerative circulatory disorder that obstructs the flow of blood from his right leg back to his heart. The disease is progressive. It causes severe pain and has atrophied his right leg. During the the latter part of his college career, because of the progress of this disease, and and mind you, uh, Casey played at Stanford and was at one point a teammate of Tiger. Um, But because of the progress of the disease, Martin could no longer walk an 18-hole golf course. Walking not only caused him pain, fatigue, and anxiety, but it also created a significant risk of hemorrhaging, developing blood clots, and fracturing his tibia so badly that an amputation might be required. For Which these, since he has had his leg amputated. Yes, um... For these reasons, Stanford made written requests to the Pac-10 conference and the NCAA to waive for Martin their rules requiring players to walk and carry their own clubs. The requests were granted. So that that was just a context on exactly Casey's situation. And yeah. I think for me, it's like he this he has a degenerative disease that is making it really, really there would be severe consequences should this, um, you know, accommodation that or modification that is readily available, not, you know, isn't granted. And it's like this dude has to choose between playing golf, which he has proven to excel at, right? Like, and 
playing at Stanford fucking university on the golf team where both the Pac-10 and the NCAA granted the request for accommodations. And like, yeah, the PGA tour is like, we want it to stay able-bodied. We're like, "Mm, we're going to be assholes and ableist, but continue. Just wanted to add that context of. No, 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 no. I appreciate that because that was kind of the direction that I wanted to go in. So, with this, so since uh, Casey Martin, uh, since this case, he is now currently serving as the University of Oregon's men's golf coach. He has since had his right leg amputated. Um, he also has qualified for the U.S. Open in uh, 2012. Um, he also um, broke his right leg two years ago, the same, the same leg that eventually, that is why he had to get it amputated because he had this degenerative uh, uh, disease and then he broke his leg. So then that was kind of like, you know, the icing on top of the cake. So here are, that is some context that I wanted to provide about this um, that goes to further prove that Casey Martin is deserving to play, to play on the PGA tour when, you know, when he was going through this. Um, So for a few added layers of context, so you had mentioned the ADA was passed in 1990. And for those who, uh, you know, don't know the official like definition, I guess of this. Yeah, It's a civil rights law that prevents discrimination based on a disability. For further context, private golf clubs do not have to comply with this. They do not have to comply with the ADA. They're a private entity, which I think um, just goes to uh, further show that golf in its core is discriminatory. And I think to, to just to cite the um, opinion in this case again to emphasize that point about the private courses, um, the district court, so below the Supreme Court, said that a an operator of a public accommodation could not create private enclaves within the facility. Uh, and thus regulate the ADA to hopscotch areas. And and this is kind of saying that public golf courses, just because they are uh, a public golf course that uh, where a private tour is operating um, an event at, you can't create like an exception within that because fundamentally it's a public golf course. But as Liz was saying, private courses get away with fucking everything ceg whatever that new jersey course is that's still like not allowing women yeah pine ba- valley that changed that changed as of last year so we can go oh. play Maya. progress yeah that's amazing you know grow the game but yeah so with um yeah, like with all this, and and honestly, like the conversations that I'm not trying to be self-fulfilling here, but I am going to be self-fulfilling. A lot of the research that we do, I think just really goes on to prove um, just how silly the PGA Tour is. Like silly and harmful. Like I was thinking about this too when reading this article with Casey, that the one that we're going to have linked. John Daly used a golf cart in 2019. 
<laughs> so like they're picking and choosing what like when you can and can't use cards so i also we we briefly talked about this yesterday i'm not going to name names and i'm not going to name specific moments because they are um i don't want to say friends of ours but um acquaintances but golf is just not supportive of anything that's just a little different you know what i'm saying like if it doesn't match the like the country club aesthetic essentially Mm -hmm. man tiktok really won't ruin the world aesthetic for me the word aesthetic for me tiktok and instagram i hate and also euphoria because i just don't match their aesthetic and i wish i did I'm wah, not a cool wah, teen. Wah. Wah. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a cool thirty year old playing a teenager on TV. <laughs> but but yeah, like golf is just not ready for um, queer. Maybe maybe just slightly alt. Maybe you're just a little bit alternative. They're not ready for disabled golfers. I shouldn't say they're not ready. It's that they don't support that and they don't make the game again accessible um open (laughs) even like to give representation like you know i think about like if i i've played with like in um various levels i've played with people that are learning different adhd autistic you know the list goes on and on about people that have learning um differences than me but there's no difference. Now that I'm saying that, I believe I have only ever played with people with learning differences on, in USGA events, which I think that's very important to separate the two. PGA Tour and the USGA are different. They're different governing bodies. So like the Players' Championship that just happened this weekend, no involvement from the USGA. Just like in the US Open, that's a USGA US, event, yeah. not a yeah. PGA Tour event. So just like on the LPGA tour as well. So the, you know, the event that just happened in Singapore, that is an LPGA event, but the U S open is a USGA event anyway, or like the U S amateur, the four ball, those kind of tournaments are USGA tournaments, but I'm not saying that one is better than the other. Cause I think that the USGA has its, it also upholds this standard of discrimination in golf, but there is just no like there's it, there's just no shred or any indication that you can be slightly different and be welcomed on the PGA tour or the LPGA tour. Unless like, it serves a kind of, like we talked about earlier, this like exploitive, like check the box mm-hmm. kind of, and you know, obviously we see that the USG is GA is very guilty of this when during pride hey. month, I think, last year at least i don't know if they did it in 2020 but they just posted a like instagram picture of a rainbow flag and they were like we did it (laughs) we did it joe we did it (laughs) but it's like taking it that step further it's still like there's this complete resistance and this understanding or like really fucked up understanding that the fundamental nature of golf is about this these aesthetics and like they kept trying to argue pga tour kept trying to argue that 
um, the fundamental nature of golf is all about, you know, like involves fatigue, right? And like you need to walk because if somebody is not walking, then they would be less fatigued and then therefore have a competitive advantage. But in, you know, like obviously you and I know that's bullshit because one, in all of the mini tour events, we ride carts um, and it's still, I'm exhausted. Like I went and played nine holes this weekend riding a cart and I was like, I'm deceased. Um, (laughs) And and so that was one of the things that they were talking about. And like you and I, like me reading that, I was just like, this is bullshit. Um, And another part of that was like, they were emphasizing that golf, the fundamental nature of golf is about shot making, which I agree. It is about shot making, which has nothing to do with like, yes, fatigue impacts it, but like it, it's not it has nothing to do with a disability. <laughs> yeah. It's also like the fatigue, at least in my experience, isn't physical fatigue. It's mental fatigue because you're out there yeah. like grinding away for five hours. And like mm-hmm. for me after a round, it's not that I like my body is like yeah I'm tired but it's not that it's I'm exhausted necessarily from that I'm just like I need to go eat like a rack of ribs and pass the fuck out for 10 hours um but I think that's the part of it where it's like you see the supreme court case where like it's really emphasizing and showing the ass of the PGA tour and the world of golf being so rooted and obsessed with aesthetics. And if like something messes with that again, I I mean, like I think a really good example of this right now and how, uh, it, it one is really ableist classist and just like really fucking stupid is the way that LPGA tour players are fined if they don't have staff bags, mm-hmm. which is Isn't like so dumb, it's a staff bag. Like what? I I, also, I, the look, short thing on the PGA tour, right? It's like hilarious. they're shorts. Hilarious. Like I will say the day that a staff bag is actually cool. Maybe I'll use one, but they're all fucking ugly anyway. But so I wanted to, um, I agree. Like, I think that, like, again, it feels a lot to me like picking and choosing. And I think when there is any shred of, like, like to just say that somebody isn't isn't able to make a, a shot or to say that it's, like, there's no way that the PGA Tour can give that clear and concise of a, you can play, you can't play. And I wanted to also read a couple of these uh, quotes because it was yes. like at the time in the late 90s and the early 2000s when this was, well, basically until 2000, you know, this was really, this was like the topic of debate on the PGA Tour. Now we have the, the Saudi Golf League and slash the Super Golf League, but now this was a huge divisive um conversation and again i want to i just want to read these quotes to just give our millions and millions of listeners um maybe a little bit of light on some of the players and the type of world that golfers very famous golfers jack nichols 
the world that they're trying to create for professional golf. So here we go. So, um, get ready, when, buckle up. It's bad. Strap in. Like, Strap it is in. damning. So here's, um, so the PGA tours, I'm directly reading. The PGA Tours defense to Martin's claims matched its public relations strategy, colon, namely that the case wasn't so much about Casey Martin as it was about the PGA Tours right to set rules for its players. Does that sound familiar? We have to protect our players. We have to protect the field. It's like, which and so. Oh, just like quick aside in that to emphasize like the ridiculousness of this rule of shit, yeah. um, which also I really want to know, um, you know, we hate Scalia, but sometimes he <laughs> has some great one liners. Um, but in oral arguments, he <laughs> when he was talking about these rules and they were trying to really figure out how much deference do we give to the rules of a sport? Right. And Scalia goes, all sports rules are silly rules, aren't they? That's that's all. I, I just mean, wanted to add that into what you were about I to mean, say. <laughs> I think that, like, you know, again, like, the PGA Tour can't set rules like this and just be like, okay, that's it. Like, you can't do that. Or it just, it's it's so stupid for you to do that. And it's harmful. So, Casey's point to that, Casey Martin's point to that was, it is about him. <laughs> He's the only one. So, okay, quote, it is about me, end quote, Martin allow, um, allowed in a moment of frustration on camera in 2000. Quote, I'm the one driving the golf cart. It's my lawsuit. So it's definitely about me. The tour's witnesses, including Ken Venturi, who said, I'm sa- quote, I'm saying no to carts. I'm not dealing with Mr. Martin. Like, dude, go fuck yourself. Don't rest in peace, bitch. Anyway. So the tour's witnesses, Ken Venturi, Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, Scott Verplank, all testified that walking was this fundamental part of the game. Well, yeah, uh, if we're going by all of y'all's logic, that means being fat and stupid are also part of the fundamental parts of golf. Anyway, that's, that's my so, so is so is John Daly. <laughs> yeah, so is John Daly, dude. So, like, where does he fall in this whole you know, if it's a fundamental part of the game, where is he in this discussion? I mean, granted, this was, you know, before, obviously this was way before he did the golf cart thing. But anyway, so this is when Jack goes on to say, quote, I think it looks terrible. I just don't think it's part of golf. Anyway, to, you know, continue breezing through this. One point that I think it's also worth noting is that it's, it's really similar to, um, when Shikari Richardson ran and she smoked weed and that was supposedly a performance enhancing thing. It's actually like makes you slower, but (laughs) like you can't say that this is a, is an advantage to him to Casey Martin when he leaves a round of golf more fatigued than other golfers when he is using a cart anyway, you know, it's also like, (laughs) The, I mean, this goes, I, I um, am nerding out a lot here, obviously, because me, law student, bringing up a law case. Well, but it's, it's great to nerd out, too. And, and it's really interesting because, like, Liz, what you were saying is, like, this fatigue, this, like, 
quote unquote biological and ad- physical advantage um, that may or may not be present. Like that's a huge part of like this conversation around trans inclusion in sports. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. like it, it's, it's really it's like, fucked. It just doesn't it's, happen. It and it's also like, happen. It's not like I think like what a really big fallacy here is like for the PGA Tour and like assholes who are against this. Um, sorry, mm-hmm. but y'all are assholes. Um, not you guys, just people who disagree with us in this instance. No, all you listeners, you guys are assholes. <laughs> Fuck all of you. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> you. We love you. Uh, no, but it, it, it's like there. It's not a. Uh, how do I say this? People think that like, or tend to perceive accommodations as uh, putting, giving a leg up, like you're so taking to speak. away from me. Yeah, yeah. You but set me actually, yeah. What it is is it's providing opportunities to access for folks who mm-hmm. aren't set, you know, like who don't come from like wealthy families. And this is, yep. we can talk about this in like a lot of different ways when it comes to access to golf, like economically, racially, gender inclusion, etc. But like here, it's like, if you're going to be talking about physical advantage or even bring that into the equation, like this is just providing like, equitable access like the same absolutely like like i was saying earlier in title three right the title three explicitly says full and equal enjoyment and you this preventing a a person from you know using a, a modification that allows them to participate right like and not suffer from or exacerbate uh an injury or a health condition that's allows for full and equal enjoyment, which again is the point of sports. It's enjoyment at very base. It's I not think, aesthetics, right? Absolutely. And I think, I think that this protection of, again, in this case, able-bodied, I don't, I, you know, I think this protection of able-bodied conditioned people, men, is just so shameful because ultimately like we have never experienced a world where either, you know, a a disabled person has cheated the system has, has capitalized on this cheating or this, you know, they're going to put me ahead type deal, just like with trans folk that are trying to play sports. Like no trans person has never that we know of has ever dominated a sport so a fear that either in this case a, a, a disabled person or a trans person or whatever the example the day that that person actually dominates their industry or their sport or their whatever their judge is a world that i want to experience that we want to experience but yeah. it's just it hasn't happened yet so this Un, this argument that is so unbiased, it's like the cancel culture bullshit. It's like a self made argument that cis hetero, con- I'm going to go ahead and say conservative, conservative in, in thinking is what I should say. Conservative in, in this kind of world of who can play golf and who can't. There are arguments that are made up, there's, yeah. there's not grounded in reality. So to say that 
he would so for also for a little bit of of uh, more uh, examples of Casey Martin's success. He had one professional win, and that was on the the tour that is now the Corn Ferry Tour. So he won on the then Corn Ferry Tour in 1998. Incredible. That's great. Yeah. And he won he what? Uh, he also 15 Oregon. And, yeah. yeah. He also won a national championship with his team at the University yeah. of Oregon. So it's Jack Nicholas. He didn't come for your record, buddy. Like the whole idea that someone is going to take away from me. That's what this whole thing is about. Yeah. They're going to take what's mine, even though I, it's like sitting, uh, you are <laughs> speaking of the Hobbit, you're smiled. You've got all the treasure. You're hoarding this treasure. Even if somebody wants to come in and take one. Oh, you wouldn't know this reference. Actually. I've seen the movies. I know Benedict Cumberbatch. He was the smog, right? Are not Didn't he voice yes. smog? Yes. Yeah. It was pretty sick. The movies are really entertaining, but they are not close to the book. Again, read the book. I but, once drove know, one of the... I'm so sorry. <laughs> Completely off track. Um, but I, when I was working in Hollywood, I worked on a movie with one of the... Um, I think he was... Uh, what's, one of it the, what's his name? Richard Armitage. Ooh. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I worked on a movie with him and then I had to like drive him to the airport. So we had this like whole moment in a car talking about Halloween costumes. And he was like, I'm just going to like hang out with my partner in New York and just watch care. people. Anyways, um, I don't care. Just kidding. I care a lot. <laughs> no, but I it, it, care a lot. It's all about, but, it's so, like protecting power. It's like holding on to, to your for treasure. No reason. Yeah. For no reason. Like Jack, you still have, you know, I think the thing that I, what I can't get behind is like at this point in time, Jack had already secured his whatever success, you know, he already secured all of his major championships. Remember this was 2000. Jack was already playing on the senior tour. What's the, what's the threat to you buddy like what is the harm besides upholding this systemic institutionalized ableist you know comma other you know other list or other descriptions to add to that list like what harm does this do like why are you fighting this tooth and nail and i know that i know that we've mentioned jack a lot but remember those other names that i listed ken venturi who's whatever Arnold Palmer, Scott Verplank, Mark O'Mara, Davis. Is, yeah, no, Mark Davis O'Mara. Davis Love the Third. Davis Love the Third. If we lose and Casey rides a card, comma, it's going to set the game back, said Mark O'Mara. How, bitch? That's going to set a new standard. It would set it yeah. forward. It would. Anyway. Also, so if it we're also obsessed. Goes, sorry. Like, if we're obsessed about pace of play, I, I don't know. Bryson, Bryson DeChambeau. So, like, the, Marco Mira walks so Bryson DeChambeau can take 15 minutes to hit a fucking golf shot. Anyway, so not so it does go with, with it should go with saying that not everybody fought against Casey Martin and Casey Martin's inclusion. 
Greg Norman, which obviously we know how we feel about Greg Norman on this podcast, but he welcomed it. You know, he got on the phone with Casey Martin and said, quote, I hope you get your cart and I look forward to playing with you someday. Phil Mickelson, which again, fall from grace. I always want to like, I always think about, I don't want to say corruption because I think that is too like Batman-y of a word, (laughs) but I do wonder where like, their change in mentalities happen like greg norman this is amazing now you're just as greedy and as horny for getting against the pga tour now like what where was your flip of the switch in terms of like being a good person into being a greedy person that you are now anyway tom watson also supported uh casey martin so this was also like pre-Twitter, pre-social media too. And maybe it would be like a lot, you know, again, this is where I, you know, think back to it being such a product of its time. Like, I wonder what would happen today with podcasts like ours, people like Carl, people that are fighting and making it a priority for inclusion, real inclusion, not USGA inclusion, not high gay in the month of June. But... (laughs) I do wonder, like, how this, if this, if this is going to happen again, where a a disabled golfer is, you know, looking to play on an LPGA or PGA Tour event, again, there are also, maybe there are disabled players out there, too. Like, there's also that, too. I was just about to say, as of um, 2020, Brendan Lawler was the first golfer with a disability to compete on the European Tour. Um, he shout out to Brendan. Has a, he, he has a rare genetic disorder called Alice Van Creveld Syndrome, which is characterized by short limb dwarfism, abnormal development oh of gosh, fingers yes. and or toes, and often congenital heart defects, which is not yes. the same yes. thing that Casey Martin had, though could reasonably kind of, you know, genetic disorder, whatever. I don't know. I don't want to speak on all of that, but like, I think it really points to the fact that Brandon has a, a disability that severely impacts his game um, and yet still received a sponsor's invitation to play in a European tour event. It was the ISPS Honda UK Championship. Um, yeah. And he played in it and the world did not end and it was really fucking awesome. Like, uh, he mm-hmm. yeah like yeah, I that's that, a, but that's kind I of like really, the what the first time this happened in 2020 that like because of a sponsor's invitation because isps honda was like really wanting to kind of push inclusion and visibility forward that's why this happened but again mm-hmm. need to point out this was 2020, 19 years after um, this case, that um, a disabled golfer was uh, able to play in a PG, you know, like a European tour tour event. In a a very high level, in the highest level of golf event in the world. One of. And the world didn't end. Uh, You know, like, it's it's huge. Interesting, because that's the same year that COVID started. There's something there. Are you? 
Is this a conspiracy theory podcast? Um, I don't know what the conspiracy is. Remember, we spread misinformation on the internet. That's the thing. It doesn't matter. We just go with it and run with it and then see what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. But I I just wanted to add this... um, quote from uh from brendan where he says um so it's a big week not just for myself but a big week looking for people or for people looking in and believing that they can get to level to that level and compete and most importantly get the invite what we represent is so special and there are some inspirational stories to hear and i think there's going to be a lot more events that we'll be taking part in and i think that's the inspiration porn, unfortunately, it does seem that like that's a way to be like, hey, <laughs> this is an incentive I mean, to provide access, which yeah. sucks. Like it sucks that that could potentially be a way to kind of like Trojan horse um, access in. But at the same time, I really want to emphasize the world did not end. Um, and it's huge. And he you got know, like, warm reception. He got yeah, a very exactly. warm welcome from his peers and the world. And again, it just further proves that this very unproven idea that somebody is going to take what's mine or ours just because they're not like you is so easily disproven. Like, it is just so ridiculous to think that like this idea that golf is for everyone or all are welcome. (laughs) But that needs to include all. It's not just people of color. It's, it's trans people of color. It's disabled bodied people. It is, uh, you know, like it's, it truly has to be everyone. And I think, you know, like I talk about, we, I talk about this a lot. Golf is so thirsty for, like this idea of inclusion and diversity, but then when it really comes down to it, it's still so staunchly cis, white, privileged, wealthy to its core. So, you know, my, I try to give a call to action or at least like something to, you know, we really want the whole point of this is for you, the, the consumer to be able to implement a lot of what we talk about and challenge your own way of thinking and s- spread your own uh, seed when it comes to growing the game of golf. So like you at home, if you know anybody that's involved in golf or that it has at least expressed interest in golf, go fucking take them, pay for them and go take them to a driving range, like provide the resources that they need to succeed. And you have a new golfer on your hands. Um, I- and I, I mean, like, to that point, and I think this is a lot of the conversations that we're having right now um, in trans inclusion in sports. And mm-hmm. I believe I'm going to be paraphrasing a quote from our friend Ann Lieberman. Um, they are famously Shane Diamond's brilliant partner and the policy director of Athlete Ally. But, um, and hottest couple of the year. Hottest couple of the voted, year. Voted hottest couple of the year that sh- so it's a it's a split hottest couple of the year award that is shared between Shane and Ann, you and Sam, Jacob and I. It's true. Um we'll add Mandy and Bradford into that too. Um oh. but what 
Anne talks about and a lot of folks within that movement is that this isn't just about um, inclusion within the sport, like just being able to access it. It's also like trans folks, um, disabled, you know, marginalized folks who have traditionally been excluded from golf or as we're seeing kind of like, ew, you don't fit our aesthetic should also be able to win and succeed. It's not just about like getting to step foot on the golf course, right? It's like, right. why Why is it like, oh, okay, we'll allow, like in these USGA posts where it's like, hi, look at this um, veteran who is an amputee playing golf. Who's, who's yeah. and like, that's fucking awesome, right? But it's not just that, like, right? Like they're, there should be celebrations of success, right? Like there should be, it's, it's like a rounded thing and we're only getting like this superficial, like let's throw a picture of somebody like, you know, a lot of these tours do during black history month where it's like the equivalent of a black square, right? Like, and what does that do? That doesn't really do anything. And I think like what really emphasizes this point, like everything that we're talking about, the protection of power or of this aesthetic and not wanting anything to change because like, I don't know, it's stupid shit. Um, people being assholes is, um, Tim Finchin, who was the then PGA Tour commissioner in 2001. Um, he <laughs> celebrated, remember how I said earlier that this, uh, decision even though it was in favor of martin it was very narrowly decided which means that it doesn't right. have like a broad you know it wasn't like a blanket statement it was about this particular yeah. situation so yeah. finchin's response to um this ruling he celebrated the narrowness of the court's decision um and in quote says Given the way the opinion was written, I must say that I am pleased. Casey's part is finished, and yet we still have a reasonably good chance to maintain the sport as we know it. Hopefully, oh the way this opinion is written, we can have our cake and eat it too. And I think that like really, really goes and oh shows how... <laughs> golf the world of golf is understanding inclusion because it's like it's all it's all well and good um as long as it doesn't change the sport as we know it and that doesn't mean the fundamental nature of the sport that just means the like protecting the old boys club of it all and it you know it's gross it's very gross and it's even more gross to acknowledge the fact that this conversation only happened after many years of litigation right litigation that had to go all the way up to the supreme court in order to have this kind of ruling and all throughout the way the pga tour was fighting it why because of this golf's fundamental nature is based right. in aesthetics right i think that i just couldn't imagine this is the, you know, the battle that you want to face, you know, like, he, you know, I think that golf is just, you know, I just like what I'm trying to say is like, I can't help but think that Casey Martin still works in golf. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, golf is so much can be so 
enveloping like it really does infiltrate so many parts of your life because it's more than just a game in a lot of ways like it's a lifestyle it is it is a um yeah for some people it's your job but you know it's really like you know i think about like a country club where that is like part of people's daily routines in a lot of ways you know, and they'll travel from New York to Florida to, to California just to go play golf at some golf course, you know, yeah. and this is what you fight. You know, it's like you're the greatest. You're you're always historically touted as one of the greatest golfers of all time. And you still are fighting this like this is this is what you're choosing to waste your time on the preservation of what? You yeah. know, conservative, you know, conservative golf, which is for the birds um i i I mean one one last point before we get to Mm -hmm. the lip out um Mm -hmm. just another quote to really drive all of this home is uh bob ryan um who uh in 1998 suggested um i'm not really sure who bob ryan is but an asshole um he said in the Boston Globe suggested rather that Casey make a living with his brain instead of his golf swing. That's right. Because he got into Stanford. Use your God given. He said, use your God given talent, like your brain. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, like to reduce sports to that, to dismiss sports to that. Right. Like, and to say that it's not a legitimate space and therefore like inclusion and access and these really important issues don't matter. They're not as important because just go use your brain is really, really fucked up. And, you know, like can also goes to the fact that traditionally in the United States, um, folks with disabilities have been viewed skeptically and with a lot of prejudice because there's this overall assumption that folks with disabilities are quote unquote taxing, um, you know, like the resources of the country, CEG eugenics, because that was started in the United States, never forget. And then the Nazis took that on. Um, so we are assholes as a country. Um, but it really, I think that really underscores all of this, right? Like the, folks with disabilities are viewed with skepticism um are just at base uh you know considered a tax on the system um and when you're adding kind of golf into this or sports into this and saying like see like you know do something more productive like your worth is only kind of based in productivity elsewhere yeah it's elsewhere and it's like why you know like that's really yeah what what who what was the reason cardi b what was the reason? And it's like, yeah. I have yeah. so many, I mean, like that was a lot of bumbling and I, I feel like I could have said that a lot more <laughs> eloquently, but it's just really, really fucked oh. up. And I feel like, you know, Maya, this you're is... in law. Go use your brain elsewhere. <laughs> I know. I just, instead of my golf swing famously, <laughs> um, I have nothing else to offer, but my golf swing. So. It's true. Um, but you know, like, 
Uh, we're going to link in some more articles for folks who want to do more reading in general about um, mm -hmm. disabled folks and disability is how it's been understood within the law, um, which, again, as we've been talking about this entire episode, I think is a really, really, you cannot talk about inclusion and diversity without talking about um, disability. And especially when we're looking at the aesthetics of sport, um, it's really, really important that as many folks as possible, like all of us have kind of an understanding of this history and, and this kind of social world. Um, but uh, my, one of my professors, Professor Jasmine E. Harris, um, she teaches, she used to teach at University of da uh, California Davis Law School and currently um, is at Penn Law and is my brilliant professor and I love her so much. But um, she's written a lot of really incredible um, articles on the aesthetics of disability um, and we're going to link those into there. Um, they are law articles so they can be annoyingly dense but I think um, definitely important and, and Professor Harris is really brilliant. Um, but you know I it, it's just so fucking frustrating at that this this fucking aesthetics of golf right like and and you know like as we mentioned at the top like we have the U.S. Um, Adaptive Open, which is uh, inaugural event is going to be happening this year. Um, and mm -hmm. a lot of the qualifications and like the details haven't come out just yet. Um, but, you know, part of this, I think, is that's really worth pointing out. And we can kind of dive into this deeper. Or if you want to talk to me on Instagram about like all of your thoughts about this, I'm, I'm happy to. But... I think an important part of this is that when the definition of um, disability within the USGA is inclusive of intellectual disabilities, um, which is also included within the ADA's understanding of disability, like intellectual disabilities, um, different mental health issues do qualify as um, disabilities under the ADA. But the reason why I'm bringing that up is like, I don't understand why in many cases in sports that is a, and especially in golf, why that would be, I don't know, like a reason to separate a person out. And like, I, I'm not saying this as a, like, I understand that um, mental illness and different um, intellectual disabilities are, are all very different and uh, impact folks differently and all of that. And I do think that like, it's important that we recognize those things as disabilities in a lot of different contexts, not just under the ADA, right? But it, it really does make me think it's like, Say, for instance, under the ADA, bipolar is um, considered a disability, a qualifying disability. Mm -hmm. Why? And of course, we don't know if that would be qualifying under the, the adaptive open um, standards yet. But like, what? I don't. Why would that? I mean, uh, yeah, that's that doesn't have. I, I don't I, I don't think the the argument of mental i wonder i do wonder if like the pga tours decision would be so like if this would be so staunchly impacted if casey martin had bipolar or like any any other mental illness where he was able-bodied but had a mental illness a diagnosed yeah. mental illness who knows 
Yeah, and I think I, this, um, it's all about, like, the aesthetics. It's, like, we don't find yeah. a person with disabilities to be, like, aesthetically pleasing. So, like, if you're not able-bodied, like, the PGA Tour in golf is saying, basically, like, get the fuck out of here. Or yeah. it's okay yeah. if it happens this once, but you have to go all the way up to the fucking Supreme Court in order for us to be chill with that. Whereas yeah. Pac-10 and the NCAA were, like, obviously, we're going to grant this waiver. Mm-hmm. Um but like I had mentioned, we'll link a bunch of resources in the show notes for folks who want to read a little bit more about um, this case, for folks who want to read the case itself, um, and then mm-hmm. for some more um, articles and uh, information about disability rights just in general. Um, but Shank, I think you had a question to ask. Um, I do, and I also have some breaking news. Boop, 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 boop. Uh, the LIV Golf Invitational Series is set to launch June 2022. Who the fuck is playing in it? We don't know yet, but we do know that the total prize purse is $255 million. There are eight events. Cool. 48 players, 12 four-man teams. $30 million are given to the top three individual players. We also have U.S. Open, or we also have the, not U.S. Open, U.S. sites for the four events that are going to take place in the U.S. Pumpkin Ridge, not in this order on the calendar. Pumpkin Ridge, the International, Rich Harvest Farms, and what's the fourth, Maya? Pine Valley. No. I don't know. Trump National Golf Course in Bedminster, baby. It's all like too predictable. I give up. I, I do like, not. It's I too easy. Like it is. It is too fucking classic. Anyway, I no longer identify as a golfer. <laughs> I am out of this bitch. Uh, you better believe I go straight to the comment section. Anyway, I will never complain about more golf. Okay, bitch. Um, someone's got to pay for that place at the international. <laughs> Some guy goes unsubscribe. Who cares? Agreed. Anyway, um, but yeah. Anyway, that's my breaking news. Um, uh, yes, I do have a question. Well, actually, it's not really a question. It's time for the fucking lip out, dude. This is the lip out. Oh no, it lipped out. Yeah, dude. The lip out. Okay, so it's Oscar season. Um, look, I think that the Oscars. Maya, you're, you and I are probably going to have differing opinions on this. I think the is Oscars it because I'm is, a former Hollywood professional? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Um, probably. I don't really give a fuck about the Oscars. Like, I think that it's. I like knowing the little like. Yeah, I've seen that movie, but I don't really care about who wins and who doesn't. Oh, I don't. I don't think I really do either, but like, I just think that they're fun to watch. I don't know. Yeah, I don't fun. actually, it's kind of like my sports, like award season are like my, yeah. I mean, I also love sports, but golf, like golf is the only sport I basically watch aside from the Olympics. Um, but yeah. it's like my football. <laughs> Ugh, God. Yeah. It's like me football. Like, mm, cause I'm a girl and I can't play football. So, what do you think? Okay. 
the lip out today is top three movies that you think are worth fucking watching from the nominee list this year. Okay, so this year, something really interesting that's happening is the Oscars are doing like a People's Choice Award uh, Oscar, <laughs> basically, right. where they're like <laughs> fan favorite. Um, and so queen. They're voting on Homecoming, homecoming Queen. queen. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I have to say that if that award doesn't go to Malignant, I will be furious because Malignant... Yeah, you've been on this. James Wan directed. I. It's just perfect. A perfect movie. Mm-hmm. You should watch it, and then after you watch it, talk to me about it. And also, please listen to um, "How Did This Get Made's episode on *Malignant* because it is a joy. But that movie, I, no notes, perfect. I have no notes. I love it. Um, so I think that you should absolutely watch that. Um, I also, what else would I say? Um, you know, I also really want to say, even though I have not seen it yet, I will be watching it this weekend and crying incessantly. Um, but Turning Red on Disney Plus. My, my One of my girlfriends just told me about this and said it's really good. Um, and that um, she's having uh, discussions with a lot of her peers about this. She has a young daughter and like young, like she's three years old. And she was talking about how like movie discusses like periods and menstruation yeah. and those who, you know, bleed from their bodies. And man, people are upset about this Disney movie because they talk about periods. Yeah, they get, they're so angry <laughs> that one, it's about, believe? women, you know, girls going through puberty and two, it's a Asian character. They're like, this isn't relatable. And it's like, why are you continuing Show Asian them, hate? Hold up, hold up your full menstruation cup and be like, this matters. Yes. You know what I mean? But okay. So I was going to say that. And then I think my third, um, which I, uh, third and fourth, I'm going to say, actually, no, my third, I know this conclusively. My third is going to be tick, tick, boom. S- Oh, I thought you were going to say Spencer. <laughs> I haven't. Okay. So I haven't seen Spencer or Belfast yet, but like oh, Sam okay. and I are itching to watch both of them. Um, yeah. But I have seen Tick, Tick, Boom. And Tick, Tick, Boom is like, it's incredible. Like I hate Lin-Manuel Miranda, but he directed a phenomenal yeah. movie and Andrew Garfield is like incredible. Is he the world's sweetheart? Like, he just seems... Remember that video that we watched where he was, like, doing... He was, like, doing, like, a backhand spring or something, and he yes. just looked so, like, carefree and happy. I love him so much. But those those would be my, yeah. my three that you those should be watching. The, what about you? Okay. So, my three um, are maybe... Uh, no, I'm gonna stand by my choices, because I... Um, really like these movies. My first one was Power of the Dog. <laughs> That's not what real cowboys do. Real cowboys fuck and they don't tell nobody. Don't be anyway. a will B-I-T-C-H. <laughs> We're going off on a Sam Elliott rant um, where Sam Elliott was very upset because they were gay cowboys. Or like it alluded to them being gay cowboys, which like you're not, you as Jane you're not Campion said, and, and she said some really stupid things after she said this, but as she said, Sam Elliott, 
you're an actor, not a cowboy. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, you play cowboys. You're not a cowboy yourself. And, like, uh, also, say cowboys aren't gay to fucking what's-his-face. Uh, Orville Peck. Okay. Oh, anyway. God, King. Oh, so fucking hot. Anyway, um, I think that movie is incredible because it is so like anxiety inducing and it is also like i've never like the character arc that benedict's character goes through is pretty fucking incredible like you hate him and then you really love him at the end and i haven't gone through that in a while with the character um my second one is dune dune's really good like dune the film is I think it does a great job of expediting a lot of the dense, boring parts of the the book Dune, which is so... I can understand why it was difficult to read. It is slow. There's a lot of descriptions about sand. Anyway, I think they do a really good job. I hate sand. Plus, like... It's coarse. It's rough. And it gets everywhere. This is, like, basically... uh, But then... Describe sand for like six pages, and that's reading Dune. Anyway, but meanwhile, I'm like, you know, reading this book feverishly, mostly because I'm sweaty for Timothy Chalamet. Also, do you think, okay, viewers, I think I saw Timothy Chalamet here in New York City. Do you think that was Timmy in those pictures? Yes. (laughs) Oh my God, do you really? I actually don't know. I'm just saying yes because I support women and I support you. Yes. Okay, so I was writing, which this is a very unlikely story in New York, but I'm going to still say it was a striking resemblance at minimum to Timothy, so I'm going to say it was Timothy. I was on the A train and I got off at Broadway Junction and I switched to the L. I walked behind a man that I think was Timothy Chalamet from the whole the whole way through Broadway Junction. And if you know, you fucking know. That was like a two-mile walk, and I swear to God it was him. Anyway, go see Dune. The third, uh, I really enjoy Dune, yes, for the cinematography, but also for the um, the music and the like natural sounds that it does a really good job of. It makes me think of The Shining. Anyway. Oh. It like has that, like, you know how when you watch The Shining, you like are very like uneasy and you don't know why i put that to the music same thing with dune i had that same kind of effect with dune anyway the third one i guess begrudgingly i'm going to say don't look up because it was really fucking entertaining kate blanchett perfect Uh, our queen we love her lesbian icon that's my list i love that um so everybody go watch those movies um tell us what you think um malignant is perfect um and to that uh we'll link all of the thingies that you know we talked about in the show notes and we've got a lot of things you can follow us at loose dot impediments uh on instagram and then i'm at maya s ready and i you can find me at shank.haney you can also just search jock jock j-o-c-k cousteau um, on Instagram. And I also wanted to do one more thing. I wanted to plug us. We are really looking for, if you know anybody that's a goddamn business owner, tell them to sponsor our shit. We're really trying to grow our uh, game legitimacy, but we're really trying to grow our game. But, I, you know, more importantly, we really want to rep uh, teams, brands uh, that 
kind of feel the same way that we do. So if yeah. you know anybody, please refer your um, refer your merch, refer your beers. I'm really trying to get on that Narragansett sponsorship. So um, I'm sorry, there. we're a June Shine crew here. We can have two. Okay, that's that's. We fine. can have a. They're not. They don't compete against each other. You know what I mean? They're two yeah. different entities. But yeah, seriously, we are. We're are. We're accepting applications for sponsorship. So yeah, come move some. Over. Move the the movable obstructions with us. Um, move that's that's how we grow the game. But our DMs anyway, are open. My D, yeah, the DMs are open. Um, anyway, thanks for listening, y'all, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you next Tuesday. You jocks, you filthy, nasty jocks. Bye. Bye.